Hello friends, it's Matilda here. Welcome back to Pearl Sound. Uh, I'm just going to open up a window real quick. Uh, today, I am going to be reading Trace Happenings, uh, which is my first... Oh, sorry. Which is my first chapbook published through Marles Karks, or really just published by me. <laughs> um, and uh, it's called Trace Happenings. I was once asked why it was called that by a professor. And I said, I don't know, which is pretty valid. Um, though I think the book provides some answers, which I'd be happy to hear what you think it means. <laughs> um, and I'm really just going to read it straight through. I don't think there are too many places that require explanation. And if they do, I'll talk about it afterwards. Um, other than that, just some notes on Prol Sound. Uh, I'm really sorry. It's been pretty inconsistent on here. Uh, I'm really thankful to people like Fargo and Tom and other contributors who've sent stuff in, because uh, that's really kept us up and going. Um, but other than that, uh, we really haven't had too much stuff on here, and uh, that's my fault, because I have been organizing some readings, but, like, honestly, I've been doing a lot of work with uh, with Marl's Karks, with... Uh, with my own writing projects and whatnot and publishing and figuring out how to code and getting the printing operation up and running. And so uh, Pearl Sound has kind of fallen to the wayside, but it's always been here and I've been really happy to be home over this break right now for me and uh, hopefully to get some more books on audio. Uh, and currently, actually I was talking to Brendan the other day on Twitter and James, and uh, Brendan was talking about if we could start uh, monetizing audiobook sales. Uh, and James said it would be really easy to do over on Luna, where Paint Bucket is selling books right now. And so we might be doing something with that. So when poets have new books coming out, uh, let's say Brendan's new book, Leave Land, when that comes out with Best Buds, uh, having an audiobook go live around the same time would be really cool and make the book very accessible to people who listen to audiobooks. Uh, whether it's just uh, an ease of accessibility or just a preference. Uh, and that's kind of the goal of Pearl Sound, is to, like free and accessible audiobooks, but I'd obviously like poets to be able to um, monetize that if they can, because a lot of labor goes into recording audiobooks, and so if someone can get a little money off of it, that'd be awesome. Or maybe like when someone buys a book, uh, they get emailed uh, the link to it as well to listen on audio. Um, somehow making sure that poets get compensated for their work in terms of recording audio or um, otherwise <laughs> done so, or like the editing of the audio process, etc. Uh, but as more of that develops, I'll be sure to let you know. Uh, and I know that there was a Pearl Sound website at some point, uh, but I'm currently recoding the Marles Karks website to kind of include Pearl Sound as a under that umbrella, because, I mean, that's all just me at this point. Uh, but yeah, that's really all I need to say um, at this point. So I'm going to proceed with Trace Happenings by Matilda Cullen. That's me. And then I'm just going to read all the front material. In the words of Brendan Joyce, copyrights are for cops. Print these poems wherever. Trace Happenings, printed in 2019 in occupied Lenape Hoking during the end times before the beginning by Matilda Cullen, Miles Karg's Press. And the cover photo is by Alexei Titarenko, crowd trying to enter Vasiliotrovskaya metro station during the collapse of the Soviet Union, 1992. 
Dedication To the underpaid adjuncts who showed me there was a world here, who were paid far too little for their life-saving work, to the cursed Twitter sphere of leftist poets who I adore and who help me forward every day, to the paint bucket poets for writing such incendiary poems, for bringing me back to poetry in a time I could hardly come near it, to the friends around me, to all of you, thank you, to beginning again, to the particulars, to you for finding your way back, to us for you. And I've got two epigraphs. I write to you from an hour of broad linguistic flux. Lucy Brock Broido, The Master Letters. And this is my birthday. These are the old home trees. Susan Howe, Articulation of Sound Forms in Time. Another hauntology for Bartleby. All around, an envelope unlicked. The roosters, as one could have expected, are taking out the twilight. A village assembled to mourn futurity. Families are gathered, their heads bent against the weight of the sunset. They are trying to hold it up. They are failing to hold it up. A father brews a pot of coffee, a gesture of strength against repetition. The people form a line, and the line is this one, a break in the chain of the poem that is these people, that is this history, a gesture of strength against repetition. I am firing blanks, walking toward Wall Street, aiming at the idea of it and the lizards, only the gun is jammed, and I am, without a gun, there is no revolution. And from the cold dark, a tongue reaches out to lick. Stampless, the envelope lies on the table. Some shit like that. Landscape in absentia. The body is stitching another document of occupancy. Tender exit wound traced another event strung into prose. Welcome to the world, where we enjoy suffering entropy. Tell me what is not carried, what's wrung from the day to feed the gathering detritus. We are brought to thresholds of longing in repetition. I am mouthed onto bodies in an effort to sketch a moment in motion. Gradual abrasion of intimacy. Soon a relapse of detail, then the slow scatter of self across the usual interior. <laughs> Proceedings of the show trials following the climate uprising. You'll notice a familiar line here. The tongue of empire breaks the roof of my mouth as the father's oil reaches the newborn's forehead and drills and drills as our mother splits open. Look, capital's hands around our throat choking the lungs of our earth and the blotted stars have forgotten us. I think we have forgotten us. I adjust the dark to better apprehend this land, scrap the familiar pastoral, elegy exhausted, greed leaks from allegory, drips the people bleeding. This is not metaphor, to paint genocide pretty would be just as unforgivable. No one lived happily during the war, to do so would be just as unforgivable. 
Watch how they burn the trees, numb to the knots tightening round their necks. Oh, at the trial of gods, we will be merciless. After Emily No drop of door against this winter. The crystalline option, only natural the forgetting, a movement across the casual in-betweens, not through a hush of body, I, a cloak unfolded into other than this forest, cracked about, waddled into circumstance, overgrown metropolitan affect. No breath against a subtle skin, what history prescribed me, disordered into something resembling order, digested, and slept through the day. What lurks listening to the babble on some other channel, corners of echo, articulated topography to the contrary, a space around what is not said, vowel that this body once occupied, unsound, bilabial plosive, diphthong of what loin. Into the moment fall particulates, and outward they move in single file. Everywhere is tomorrow, and rocks articulate space in the flow of days. Narrated, a map onto living land, tumultuous blood of roads driven into our skin, vowels, the streets in a city, buildings, teeth. Daylight undrunk as concrete peels itself, death ruse of mirror and lip linger, a room dedicated to movement, outside always liminal space, fading in perpetuity. Vessels with which one could travel through space-time, traffic on the interstate. A boy ago, a geometry unwound, murmur of moon, night set gentle in distance, torn, breath-dredged morning. Oh, the engine of all tragedy is entropy. Onomastics, an essay on Moby Dick. Words are the etymological offspring of their forefathers. Where to begin but the beginning with the very word etymology, from the ancient Greek etymologos, where etymos is that which is true or real, meaning logos. Logos brings us the ology ending, pointing to a being pointing to being a study of that which is true or real. But logos is also related to the verb lego, which can be defined as the first-person infinitive of I speak, say, or I tell a story. Ishmael asserts his status as truth-teller throughout the entire exercise of writing the novel, specifically during his telling of the Steel Kilt and Radney story. Quote, So help me heaven, and on my honor the story I have told ye, gentlemen, is in substance and its great items true. I know it to be true. It happened on this ball. I trod the ship. I knew the crew. Unquote. Melville 378. But we are on the subject of words, so let us concern ourselves with one of the most significant appellations of this entire novel, Moby Dick. The very name of the novel, the name of the beast itself, is named by Tashtego. Quote, Captain Ahab, said Tashtego, that white whale must be the same that some call Moby Dick, unquote. No sources are cited in this act of naming, it is simply done. Moby Dick. 
Dagu and Queequeg recognize him only by his physical description, not by this name. Moby Dick is a name born into the air, orphaned without an etymology. So, Ishmael. Of course, Tashtego names the whale, but he himself says that some call the whale by this name. Who are these others? We don't know. It is imperative that we remain with Tashtego, he who falls into the head of a dead whale on page 496, and who was ripped out of it by Queequeg pulling on his hair and head in the fashion of a birth, quote, through the courage and great skill in, obstet in obstetrics of Queequeg, the deliverance, or rather delivery of Tashtego, was successfully accomplished, unquote. Now to the book's end, Tashtego, he who had nearly fallen into Plato's honey head and sweetly perished there, as he is being drawn down with the Pequod, encounters a, quote, skyhawk that tauntingly had followed the main truck downwards from its natural home among the stars, pecking at the flag and incommoding Tashtego there. This bird now chanced to intercept its broad fluttering wing between the hammer and wood, and simultaneously feeling that ethereal thrill, the submerged savage beneath in his death grasp, kept his hammer frozen there, and so the bird of heaven with its arch-angelic shrieks and his imperial beak thrust upwards, and his whole captive form folded in the flag of Ahab, went down with his ship, which, like Satan, would not sink to hell till she had dragged a living part of heaven along with her, and helmeted herself with it." Quote. How to cope with this, I have no idea. I will tempt, like Ishmael, a draft of a draft. It's the going into a whale's head and emerging, the being pulled down into the sea and dragging a symbol down with you that is significant. In the first movement there is a birth and in the second a perishing. When Tashtego first falls, Dagu, in an effort to rescue him, throws the bucket down after him, which begs the question, does Tashtego kick it? Not quite but rather is born, and in his final act drives a nail through the bird and drags it down with the ship. We need to ask ourselves if this act is any different from naming. Tashtego, as is described from beneath the water, feels the, quote, ethereal thrill of the bird, and so strikes. Call it a nail in a coffin. Call him Moby Dick. Call me Ishmael. The sun, a pendulum strung up. Unlike bodies, this superimposed, echoless contact reminds me of reaching. Technicolored pleasure, or the ordinary night, in which he gave organization to the roads, which then settled into symbolic comparison. Burnt verbs, devoid of connection, endlessly reaching, portrayed as trains, the infinitive melted in order to expand. It's midnights, or my mark, a replete corpse to guide us hereunder. Our birds said, cannot take us, the peopled or far clearer woods, arranged beginnings are summoned to this, I cannot have to say, shadowed soft. Fine glimpses toward unoccupied epochs inference pollution, Concerning sideways insinuation, signs flow temporarily and appear by glorification. Justified darkness, splendid wordless momentum continues to begin. Breath, described as commonplace, smooth stuff. Flesh, peculiar and internally unoccupied, 
like jellyfish, resembling embryonic pictures generalized into windows. Our subject follows someone through dreams, where remarks are maintained associations, projectiles like bodies, in that they are planetary and slipping. The first xenoarchaeologists on Terra misread her skeleton. On the genealogical dig, we found disagreement among the sediment. Contents of the buried mind include the sound of atoms accumulating outward, drip of skin towards glass break, horizons light off forehead, the night glossed red against what will never return, that one July dappled epistemic. A body beside knows the soft of sunset, asleep to the cold of this continent, these fragments clothed in ribcage, strands of hair theorize shorelines. I, a well of silences, am whispered into hillsides. Was not amberesque, not somewhere on your map. The slow flicker of fingers to chin in a deep unhappening. I cannot river this string of happening. I am remembering me. Proles Who Trampled a Paragraph, and this title comes from a line from my translation of Ernst Toller. No, it was a grackle. Yes, I'm sure you can tell by looking at its tail. That says a lot about looking at something and knowing what it is, doesn't it? That one island off Norway where they're trying to abolish time. Nobody ages anymore. Souls slip out their flesh suits and bodies fall as young as yesterday. Ink on the lip mistaken for blood. Could you imagine people living like animals, carefree? No, it is too much to. Instead, we the cogs oil with sleep and let the machine do its thing. Summers annexed winter while we weren't looking. For what will the poet eat for dinner? And here we are interested in manufacturing thunder. Refuge from the lyric flourish, the borders of the sky and its insomnia for knowledge. Observe this moment, how it confesses. The state body has entered ketosis and is beginning to break down its people. A blue jay dropped into my periphery and plucked a dragonfly from the air and ate it and carried on like a drone strike. From a wound, a cry, a new calendar are falling. I have not dreamt outside these corners. It is one in the morning. Listen, skunks are out there, somewhere, looting the dumpsters. Odie's own Edda, Uncle Stem's Fair Longing. Two poems from a collided translation of Rilke's Sonnets to Orpheus. One. Dusty guy and bomb, O Reiner, uberst eye gun, O Orpheus sinked, O high tree, I'm marooned, Alice, shh, we egg dock sails in their fares, why, gun king, her wink, where transformation took place. Animals of silence flock from the clear gaoler's ten-vault phone. Logger, a ruined gun is tuned. And there it happened, da. See? Nick's houseless, tuned. Nick owls against. In such souls lies a war in. 
but rather from hearing and brule and sigh, gay roars seemed small in their hearts, and even where cow mine a hoot a war, dees zoom fang, and I, noon, to shoot faust, uncle stems fair longing with an entrance whose columns quivered ash, oof, stew in an temple limb, listening. 2. And it was almost a girl who went forth and roused these. Am I again? Look, fun sang and lyre, and gleaned ruined lanes through her ruling's lyre, and mocked, too sick, a bed in mine ear no more. And slept in me, and all was her sleep. D, boy muddy ick, yea, be wound hurt, these a tangible distance, a fool to wheeze meadows, and each astound as me struck me. She slept the world, engenders God, we has to see full, end it, da, see, to first be awake, she was resurrected and slept, where is her death, over stew, dee's motif, your song consumes itself, woe sink to see, out of me, almost a girl. <coughs> From the great wide dark comes a mouth, and it says, The sound of nails scratching my hair, heard by my ears, my own nails, own hair, that's not it either. Maybe it's entropic, the driving my fingers to pull at the soft of my scalp. Maybe the fact of the matter is I'm a conch shell, held up to some cataclysm, sucking the last instant of itself out of me. Maybe the ocean I swallowed hasn't had enough, and maybe the poetry demands driving my fingers to pull at the soft of my scalp, maybe. Onwards in suburban distance, a darkness is strung between two street lamps, and anything could be there, like people, for instance, and the people walking in the darkness are no longer there, they have been swept into the fold and are altogether the ocean. Perhaps I haven't made myself clear. The cataclysm is a woman, and she would like to occupy the conch shell. She is occupying the conch shell. In fact, the cataclysm inside the conch shell is the woman, and the woman is scratching at her... Had her and the woman is scratching at her hair, her own hair, her fingers pulling at the soft of her scalp. Does that make sense? Yes, and thank you. I really very much would prefer it if you break open the poem forcefully as I am advising you to do, for you must be warned as it is very fragile and is likely to break upon forcing it open. Once you've found your way into the poem, I'm afraid you'll be greeted with the usual. Several poets arguing with each other over which... Several poets arguing with each other over what... <laughs> Several poets arguing with each other anachronistically. One poet will say something in rhyme, and it'll be absolutely spectacular. No, really, I swear, it'll just pop your socks off. And another will say it in garbled radio static and a mix between frog ribbits and dolphin clicks, while a third will draw an exclamation, uh, exclamation point in the air and vanish and come back with breakfast for you all, and you'll laugh and say, well, this was a very fun game. Now we need to spend the rest of the evening bickering about which one played best, and by the end we'll likely kill each other, and someone will come along and say, wow, Look at these sickos, wasn't that something? Now, I'm not saying that's as much of anything. All I'm saying is you're in the poem now, you might as well see where it goes and get your money's worth, because after all, you likely spent money to get into the poem, and what the hell were you thinking? No interregnum. And then there's some... Mandarin next to it, which I don't know how to pronounce, but I think it's Dao Dijou. 
which was a phrase Mao used when he said to kill all the landlords. As in now, the means to survive have been transferred to your bank account. The banks have been dissolved. No trickling but a deluge of red, like French, like French streets in 1789, Haiti 1791, the Commune 1871, Catalonia 1936, and I'll admit it, I'm classist. I think what Mao did to the landlords was pretty fucking cool. I am brought to the end of a river and asked where it went. I tell my interlocutors to look in the stomachs of our landlords, to watch it stream from their bodies as the masses ruthlessly reappropriate. Delete me from this. And on the other side of the wall there was health care. They broke into his house and shot him. Students filtered through academia magnetizing debt. She was murdered for, quote, tricking him, unquote. I blessed the music on my commute in order to remove myself from the landscape to keep this body from merging with it. Your disk space is almost full. Apparently I was most gay when I was 13. I could tell because suddenly my name was Faggot. And then again, isn't that all, isn't that all we want? To loaf in a field and write an epithalamium for our bodies merging with the landscape. Don't we all want to be Sappho writing to our imaginary girlfriends across the room? Don't we all want to sever the landlord's many tentacular limbs and pocket the coins from his defeated corpse, the defeated cops? Another morning I look into the mirror and shave my face. God damn it. I'm sick of writing poems begging for you people to get up and do something. I need insurance. A landlord's golden shovel after steel. And if you don't know, a golden shovel is when the end word of every line makes another poem, and in this case it's to eat the fruit, climb the tree by steel. But first an epigraph. Stop. Stop distracting yourself with all this diverting bullshit and pay attention. Save the children. Every parent wants to save their child. Buy yourself a shovel, dig yourself out of the shit, and get educated. Dr. Jacoby. Biome maximum decapitated. Of casualties in marginalia. Of course, lines drawn in the ground. How else? I lost my mind in the mail, want to get it back and squeeze, to drink its scarlet coffee, sit with you in the rain, hands with eyes, you are song, aren't you, night, when the cicadas rip out, to understand their desperate float, tell me, is it as weightless as they say, you know, on Mars, you and your debris of breath, of what we have found above another room, another, the one full of bluebell and the one full of whitethorn. How one goes, naturally, at the end of the night, to the farthest corner of the east, to watch its other end drip into day. Of stars, how could one deny the violence of this orchard? I do not have enough of the sails to keep us on course. Are you watching? It's imperative that I convey to you the urgency of this. I want to tell you something. I want to put down the shovel and rest. Do you think I can scream enough? I want to tell you about it, to tell you about sleep. We do not have time, but maybe we have time. Listen, there is something we can do. There is something we cannot not do. Go out into the streets. Let sleep loose over the world. Tell the landlords they have 24 hours to live.
a name replaced like a name. There is change and the eye passes through it. I pass through it. Vomit in the rain. Pockets of the rain open. The rain keeps referring to me. I ask the rain to refer to me. The rain understands. They say to me, I am the rain. A raindrop is like a finger. I understand the rain. The rain tells me what it's like to drip off my attire. I tell the rain we are not so different after all the fighting that has happened indoors. It was the panties, wasn't it? The family finds that I have contradicted myself. The family finds my closet. The one eye I've kept in parentheses. I've to I'm told that people don't need to see that stuff. I'm called transvestite. Called crossdresser. Called out. Pulled out of the closet where I keep my clothes. I am not familiar with the lyric eye. The lyric eye walks up to me. Shakes my hand. Hugs me. Helps me pull the skirt on. Helps with my makeup. Tells me what it's like to drip off my attire. Removed from clock time, brought back into the furl. The song falls apart in my hands as the daylight you. Somewhere along the rain, a curve of motion, a gravity of movement, a change of pace. Electron placement. Slide through song in time. Difference is it. A physics of limbs. Starlight maximum capacitated. Three walls of room and fourth I am. Precipitated delay on gallows and the ritual midnight some guy owns. The undercurrent slipped between us and separated... The undercurrent slipped between us and spread the night wide open, the accident avoidable after it had happened. We devolved in two, both particles and waving. As a statue in the corner of a darkness, sight means the lap of tongue against skin to etch a topography, of skin an outline and echo of the rush of contact a day breaks over and over the fallen in to a lapse of midnight here in this midnight fallen out of a statue where the map lies on the table, stained with indecision, the map sighs on the label, day leaks from the fridge to impart data, the information is valuable and we refuse to deal in information. The night in tropic circles overhead until the dog has licked up the day. Articulation of sound forms in time. Two epigraphs. Quote, the whole interval of the duration of the sound of the sound, in its extension, is something dead, so to speak, a no longer living production, a structure animated by no productive point of the now. This structure, however, is continually modified and sinks back into emptiness. Edmund Husserl, Lectures on Internal Time Consciousness. Quote, Let us look at a piece of chalk. Also Husserl. I gathered what remained of the approach, unnamed limbs making their way off stage, returns hurtling through the snow. What one moment means to another, the drawl of duration, the dog breathed open and it was an experiment in forgiving. And then, 
And then another interesting storm kept it all in sight. The twisting of grass into distance. The felt happening of continuity beginning in the sky. Wholehearted eggs leading the dance of towers forward. A world of assemblage and meanwhiles. Strained endings like power mourning in perpetuity. And something else you will not perceive. A neighbor's entire life. This song ends, the ocean, indented like every conversation, carries the heavy emptinesses onward. My language drops like a snake from the forked tongue of desire. The margins are not justified, chromatic unbecoming, ice sheets pulled over our heads. There is a people, we, who have shoveled a great hole in the sky. Documents strewn over the table. Come again. Thought the water sunk into us. Porous, meaning the slow fade of city into morning. How you drink it in like any other bird. First the astonish, then the guilt of knowing nowhere. Bending is how the sound goes around a corner. It had the properties of shadow and a taste of iron and told me I precipitated time. Bumped into a memory on my way to the fridge, the enjambment of avenues and crosswalk, to lineate the city, to make it more palatable. A wolf set loose in this Virginia. Skin would begin itching on contact with water and then fire spread across. A senate board of form, organized in couplets. Why, night is a curtain strung between the ordinary. Tongues wriggling on the ground, aching to be embodied. It was the lyric eye spilled all over the table, what sung against a hole in what home was. <clears throat> This landscape daily shifting, and like a bad impressionist, the light remains the same. Or, Owen. Again the eyes asking me to receive these echoes. After an estuary, the blood rip of morning peeling the sun off the skin of this earth. Even this mass, with its continual shedding, will drop into forest eventually. Across the street was a brush we never entered, a door, a history unopened. When was the tipping point in this change, this slow hair and its falling out? Surely a plant has reached itself out and shadowed another, a visceral shove of suddenly and the lights have gone out. At which time I had noticed me, how the theater has been empty but the dark holds, how the theater has been empty but the dark knows no occupancy. In which hand do I hold the memory? A language has begun to happen me. Reading Marie Howe. I'm thinking about the mythos that sprung up around what the living do before I even started reading it. How Hannah and Kayla told me to read Practicing, and I cried on the spot. How I read that poem again and again and hurt and felt past and present yearning. Quote, we kissed each other's throats, and I cry for the friend I kissed last night, who I want to kiss again and who I know I may not. I am looking at the line, quote, just before we made ourselves stop, and see her smiling at me before we continued getting things together, putting up decorations, how she kept coming close to me even when our friends had arrived and brushed against me and lingered and left. 
How I almost told her I wanted to kiss her outside in the rain, and didn't, and waited, and she said to me as we walked inside, You know, sometimes I think about what people don't tell one another, how there's a whole side to people we can never know because they won't tell us. And I said, I think you're pretty honest with me, and waited, and said, Can I tell you what I was going to say? And she said, Yes. And I told her, and we kissed and went about the night like nothing had happened, except the looks she gave me across the room, the lyrics in some songs when she'd give me a nudge or raise an eyebrow at me, how I sat on the floor and felt the breeze and thought at her breath and watched her dance, just her, in the middle of the room, everyone talking to themselves, and her, dancing, singing. No one knows the worlds we keep inside ourselves, Acknowledgements. Here is where we get particular in no particular order. Thank you to Natalie Eilbert, Carly Hoffman, and Lee. To Lucy, to Winnie, who's been reading these poems for so long now. To Jamie Barut and Isabel Bess for their brilliance in organizing trans poets and working toward the downfall of poetry. Thank you. To James, who published me and brought me into the paint bucket crowd. To Brendan and Roy and KM and Steele and Divya and Amy and Molly and Wendy and Ava and Roy and Vin and Dominic and Fargo and Nora and Joseph and Patrick and Tegan and Tom and Tren and Holly and Jordan and all you fuckers. To the friends who recently found me. To the family who will and won't read this. To the people around me every day who read my poems and joke with me. Lizard, Mitch, Georgina, Claire, Natalia, Kayla, Mary, Ellie, Millie, Nick, Sonia, James, Layla, Emily, Ken, Nora, Tukarina, to you. Some of these poems first, oh, I wrote Firest. Nice. Some of these poems, Firest, appeared on Paint Bucket page. Dot page. Fuck. Because who the hell else would publish them? If you want to listen to a recording of this book, you can access it at any time on Pearl Sound. Hey, that's what you're listening to. A podcast and archive of contemporary leftist poetry and poetics. Hosted wherever podcasts blah, 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 blah. hosted wherever podcasts are hosted or at some point on Page. Then there's Marles Karks, the press mag. I've started just to print this stuff. Marles Karks is dedicated to printing the poetry of the queer left, so send us your stuff and let's print it, dude. Special, special thanks to Jamie Brute and Captain James for inspiring me to go forward with this press stuff. You two are changing the game. And now I'd also include Mark and Joe. <laughs> Thank you, guys. Many thanks, my friends. And that's Trace Happenings.